and welcome to the Zenial Domes Little Dome. My name's Gareth Gwynn. And I'm Essie Sears. And this is the version of the Zenial Dome podcast in which we take a look back at this month in Zenial history. And I cannot wait to do January 2000. But sometimes when you get really excited, it means like really random stuff's going to happen. Well, do you know what? <laughs> There's a lot of excitement in the air because... We seem to have spent mainly the 1970s burying things in our gardens as time capsule to right. be opened in the year 2000. And so January 2000, uh, the British public get digging for these time capsules and go, so what did we bury? They dug up the Blue Peter time capsule and it is absolutely brilliant. When did they bury it? So they buried it in 1971. There is a video online which collates every time the Blue Peter time capsule was mentioned between 1971 (laughs) and 2000. It is like a drama that unfolds over 30 years. It's like David Nichols' One Day or Our Friends in the (laughs) North. Mistakes are made. (laughs) The seeds of destruction are sown. It takes decades to unravel. It's brilliant. I do find, though, the older I get, the less impressed I am by time capsules because we don't let them be for long enough. Oh, like, yes. So, so this one, for example, it was buried for 30 odd years, but I'm 42 now. So to me, 30 years is nothing. A box of stuff in my mum's house is a time <laughs> <Yes>. capsule. <laughs> I have uncovered yes. things I own of over 29 years. Um, yeah, you want at least two different like ages to have gone by, yeah. like a, a an ice age, or a what's the other age? Copper, <laughs> <laughs> bronze. I think that's the one you're bronze. thinking of. Stone. <laughs> yeah, bronze. I agree completely. I mean, what you certainly don't expect is the people who buried the time capsule to be there when it's dug up, as happened here. But let's get stuck into it because it's... <laughs> you want them all dead. <laughs> yeah, I want everyone. <laughs> Uh, so it starts in 1971 with a big metal box Valerie Singleton, John Noakes and Peter Purvis plant it under a tree in front of Television Centre there's a photo album with the presenters some footage of the show some Blue Peter badges, an annual some decimal currency because that's new Hang on, why would you put in decimal currency? Because surely, if that's the new currency that's the one most likely to still be around when they open the Oh, my great-grandmother was still translating it all back to pounds, shillings and pence until she died in 1984. So I think think some people thought it might have been a flash in the pan. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Blu-ray. Yeah, they put the lid on the box and it's a lead-lined box so water can't get in and they bury it and they put a tree over it. Mm. And they leave that for one week. (laughs) What? <laughs> that's like me when i it's like me when i buy um when i buy stuff in advance like i always oh. I, I always think i'm a really good mum when i start buying things in advance of like christmas and easter but i invariably eat all of it yeah well, this within, is, within the week this is the uh time capsule equivalent within a week they're back in the garden with a spade because they buried it and loads of people wrote in to go, that's not how you bury a time capsule. Who's writing in? Kids? Kids, gardeners, 
anyone with a functioning <laughs> knowledge of how tree roots grow because they'd put the time capsule they'd put the tree on top of the time capsule and everyone went the roots will just go round the capsule and you will not be able to get that out of the ground without felling the tree and lifting the roots i prefer that i would prefer that drama of having to have an actual tree surgeon in. I reckon there was a runner on set who thought, I'm hoping to still be here in the year 2000, and I'm not dealing with this. We're moving the tree. <laughs> so, literally, one week after they've buried the time capsule, they're back in Television Centre Garden, digging it back up, and they bury it somewhere else. And that's done. We come back in 1984 because we're now setting up the Blue Peter Garden, and we have to get the time capsule out of the ground. Oh, my God. Yeah, and into the new garden. They move it to the Blue Peter Garden, and they add a second time capsule. What the heck are they doing? It's really chaotic. I'm not enjoying this. So we now cut to 2000. And what I love about this is, 2000 couldn't look more futuristic if it tried, because... Prior to this, everyone is in brown and green and sensible clothes. And then they cut to Katie Hill, who is, who looks like a bad drama about the future. With her, <laughs> <laughs> She's on a pink, purple and bright blue set. She's got mad futuristic 2000s hair. It, it couldn't be more futuristic if she, okay. if she tried. They cut to Connie Huck and Matt Baker who have to do the pacing around the Blue Peter Garden, five paces left, two paces there. We immediately realise that Connie Huck and Matt Baker have very different stride lengths. (laughs) (laughs) Because 15 strides for Matt Baker sends him inside a building. (laughs) (laughs) And people, people people were smaller in the 70s. You know, their, their strides would have been smaller. Con- Connie Huck is, I think, the size of a 70s person. <laughs> and Matt Baker <laughs> is like some futuristic giant smashing through television centre, going, there's a wall in the way! <laughs> so they start digging. There's loads of false alarms where they find bricks and things like that. And they finally find the box. And it is so deep. It is 1.5 metres deep. They pull it out and they bring the old presenters back to open the box. And first of all, it's the 1984 box and it's Simon Groom and Janet Ellis. And they open the box and it is full. And I mean full of water. Yes. That's what they deserve. Its contents (laughs) are absolutely destroyed. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I give so little shit about the first box, but this box, like, this has only been buried for 16 years. You could go to any charity shop and find what's in this box. Gareth, I've got a pair of pants that's, like, 16 years old. (laughs) There's a great moment where they're picking things up, and I think it was Matt Baker said something like, oh, it's okay, it's in plastic and then they kind of open the plastic and there's a vhs inside but the bag has filled with water so this vhs has just been kept in dirty water for 16 years (laughs) it's like a boil in a bag (laughs) So (laughs) so this has been an absolute disaster um 
But it's time now to open the 1971 box. All the old presenters are there. This one's metal, so there's high hopes for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Valerie Singleton's got a hammer, so she like smashes <laughs> it's the side at all times. <laughs> <laughs> there's these bolts and what you then see are these long fade in and fade outs of how long it takes valerie singleton and the rest of them to undo the box wow once they're in it is dry the box Mm, looks drier than the 1980 but somehow the bag that the individual items are in are filled with water so they're like oh this looks okay and then they pick up a tape and the tape is in a bag, but the bag has somehow filled with water. Also, they're all putting a brave face on it, but it clearly stinks. There's dec- They find the decimal coins. Um, there's a lovely moment where Peter Purvis takes out um, a tape and he goes, Oh, what was on this tape? And Valerie Singleton looks at it and goes, We'll never find out. <laughs> <laughs> But, but actually, we can find out because the people who put that together are still alive. Everyone's, everyone is still alive. Everyone is there. Literally, the whole <laughs> the whole group of that year's Blue Peter are there and going, oh, yeah, I remember when we buried these books. Um, yeah. There's a brilliant moment where somebody goes, I wonder what these are worth now. And one of the young presenters go, well, nothing in that condition. <laughs> like, they just... <laughs> Because they've just buried a load of books in their garden. Oh my God. And oh then at, God. at the end, they let the three 1970s presenters like do bits to camera to sort of sum up the bit. And the level of professionalism is out of this world. Uh, and they mention, which I didn't know, that there is another Blue Peter cap- time capsule that is still underground. Oh. And it is, oh. underne- it is underneath the Millennium Dome. <laughs> no! Yeah, yeah. What? And it is dated 2049, which is a real, like, Y50, because presumably 1999, they must have popped it in there. But that's not can, long can, enough. Can you get to it? I mean, I don't people... think I, I can. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just I'll, imagining. Because the, the next time I go and see Radiohead at the O2, I'll bring a spade. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing that would have happened like they'd have thought oh this this would be great you know it's symbolically it's a great place to put it blah 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 but then they've just tarmacked all over it yeah they've just forgotten where it is and now we'd have to <laughs> lift half of Greenwich to go it's under here somewhere oh my God. knowing Blue Peter from what I can gather they will have left a very complicated map and measured it in paces <laughs> which <laughs> which won't help oh. anyone <laughs> oh my God. So that the thing is, is and, and now I'm just thinking, but it's going to be wet anyway, so I don't really care. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to say, hopefully they've learned their lesson, but they buried that before they opened these two <sighs> sodden boxes. It's like Romeo and, and Juliet. A... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, they, and they mention that they're going to put, they're going to hang on to them because these are items of Blue Peter history. But I'd love to know where those items are now. They surely can't be on display. Why would you want a Blue Peter annual that looks like it's been through a flood? The video oh is superb. Oh my god. Yeah. 
because I remember as a child not being massively impressed by stuff like this and kind of seeing through it like the whole point of a time capsule is that it's really for people who don't have a direct link to us now like they can't ask us questions and they you know and they these are things that they they couldn't even fathom do you know what I mean yes and, and I think maybe the digital age has ruined it as well because I, I think, that, uh, let me try and articulate this properly. I think history before now, it was it was possible for history to feel further away from the present because of the lack of being reminded of stuff constantly. And I think because of the digitization of everything and you can see stuff all the time and you can see old clips of things and you have access to, you know, it feels like you're constantly reminded of stuff, so you don't have enough time to forget stuff to then be, oh, my God, I completely, you know. Yeah, just... well, the prime example of that is that they buried in the 1971 time capsule a running order of the 1971 show in which right. the time capsule is buried. Yeah. Yet I, in order to watch this, watched the 1971 show. In... Yeah. That piece is on youtube <laughs> so yeah. i know what they did i can see it i love how we we got into this millennium and it's like well we survived the y2k bug and this this is how we're roof war yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot more digging involved in 2000 than i was expecting <laughs> i would say that <laughs> uh 10th of january 2000 first political scandal of the year <gasps> tony blair's wife sherry blair is fined for not having a valid train ticket on her for a journey to luton i think i remember this how much was she fined <laughs> uh so she was fined she was fined 10 pounds what she was on her way to a criminal case where she was working as a recorder because all she works in the legal profession she didn't intend to evade payment she she put her hands up at the end and she paid the fine and it was you know she claimed to have had only Portuguese currency with her at the time. <laughs> yes, I remember this. I remember that detail. That's so funny. When you now look back at Tony Blair's enthusiasm for the Euro, I think it might stem from this moment. <laughs> <laughs> you think about my wife. <laughs> she only had Portuguese money. <laughs> So she said she couldn't find a machine where she could use her credit card. And she only had Portuguese money, which obviously wouldn't go into the machine. I, I believe that I believe the first one about the credit cards because uh, yeah, it's, it's sure. 90, you know, it's it's 2000. I was still definitely feeding cash into those sort of machines till what feels like very recently. <laughs> um, yeah. She said the ticket office was closed. She hoped there'd be a guard on the train with a ticket machine and there wasn't. So by the time this, this feels Luton, more like a commentary about the privatization of the railways, <laughs> it all reflects really badly on the train service. <laughs> uh, so um, a Downing Street spokesman said that in her haste, she'd failed to find the ticket office, which the rail operators insisted was open. Oh, hence why at Luton she came clean. She explained she didn't have a ticket. So she had to pay a £9.70 return fare and a penalty of £10. Tony Blair's spokesman, Alistair Campbell, said she did volunteer to pay 
and the alternative for her would have been to jump over the barrier, which is quite difficult for a pregnant woman to do. <laughs> because to be fair, I I had forgotten that. <laughs> oh my god. How did they find this how did they find out about this story? Like Yeah, I thought that you know. the rail company must have been itching to get to get this story yeah. out. Because how does this come out? Ah, oh, yeah, someone would have had to have rung a newspaper. Maybe this is me feeling nostalgic for the days where <laughs> a political scandal is Prime Minister's wife gets caught without a ticket on what is, to be honest, a very short train journey with an excuse that I entirely believe. Yes! <laughs> like, as, as political yes. scandals go, this is very small fry. I know, and she's pregnant, leave her alone. I know, this <laughs> the whole it's thing. Like, oh my God. It's really interesting because I've... um. She was someone who was, she was always portrayed as like this mad, doddry, you know, that she was always a bit dishevelled and always a bit mad. And I don't know, like, I, I ne- she, there was never any compassion around her on any level, even though like everyone loved Blair at the beginning. Like everyone's really happy that he'd come in, new wave and stuff like this. I never feel like she was ever portrayed in the same light as him. Yeah, just to very quickly compare to someone like Samantha Cameron, who sort of just seemed to drift through the years of being a Prime Minister without any comment, almost. It's almost mm. like when, at the end, he resigned and she was there, you kind of went, oh yeah, she's been living there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jack Bernhardt, who presents the um, Football Book Club podcast, Love Jack. So funny. Made, he's made some really like good points about how he one of the reasons he loves nineties football is the way that there was a sort of showbiz element when it became the Premier League that mm. crashed into these slightly old world footballers. Like the the ones who'd been around for a bit when it became the Premier League, they crash into suddenly like having girlfriends who are singers and all this sort of stuff. And like and, and it's like these two worlds that don't really belong together crash into each other and i think tony blair is that for politics where tony Mm. blair arrives and there's all this suddenly he's trying to make politics showbiz and i don't know if then sherry blair is really into this as a concept Mm. because the thing i always think of when this sort of conversation comes up is that moment in 1997 where on the morning after someone delivers flowers to number mm. 10 and she opens the front door in her dressing and she's gown like, in her dressing gown yeah a part a part of me is like well, of course don't do that but it's a sort of very naive way to behave when the press are obviously on your doorstep yeah like why aren't there people to over it i can't work out if that moment was engineered or incredibly naive but I think the fact I don't know whether that is engineered or incredibly naive says everything about that period. Of yeah, time. yeah, and maybe that's where the bridge is. That's it's something where like it that. happened. Like, and yeah, nothing like that ever happens again. Oh God, no! But then I guess maybe that that would then be down to staff as well inside because I would have thought there would be someone opening the door because this is the thing for me. It's it's not the fact that she opened the door in a dressing gown. It's the fact that no one else opened the door. So it's like, I, I'm a, I'm a disheveled mother most of the (laughs) time and I have a job 
And it's like, and often I will open the door to, you know, the Amazon delivery driver <laughs> and I'm in my dressing gown or I've had to throw something on because I'm like either in between exercising or having a shower or whatever. And I, I do look like Cherie Blair receiving those flowers, <laughs> being very apologetic and kind of half smiling and like, but it's, so, you know, that happens. But who was meant to be opening the door? Like, that wasn't, and maybe, and maybe they were, in, maybe they were knocking on the door, like she was there and she's like, oh God, someone has to open this bloody door. <laughs> I know. Every time that clip appears on TV, I was like, "What happened to you?" Yeah, but someone she'll um, she'll know, right? We should ask her. We, we should ask, ask her. Yeah. But yeah, so Sherry Blair got fined for a train ticket, and I think it is one of those slightly odd, very nineties stories. It is. Yeah. Um, it's not because what what happened with Cameron? Did he leave? He left a child, didn't he, in a pub? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and they had like security and stuff with them. And I, I often wonder with that one, is it like the scene in Home Alone where they've done a head count, but it was someone else's child who was just being a bit nosy? Well, they've counted one of security. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel that time. Yeah. I know where I was. I know what was going on. Yeah, I know what you mean. They're, they're very 2000 feeling stories. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a mixture of, with the Blue Peter thing, we're saying goodbye to the old world. And, yes. you know, and we're having a go at Cherie Blair. What could be more 2000 than that? <laughs> For no real reason. <laughs> um, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do so on thezenialdome.hotmail.com send us a tweet and you can send us an instagram message and we're on tiktok that's it really isn't it yeah please tell your friends <laughs> please tell your friends and that's everything um thanks we'll be back next week thanks for listening Bye-bye. bye bye